0: name. It's the wonderful name and it's the powerful name. Nothing can stand against. Lord, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. Our sin was great. Your love was greater. What can separate us now? Our debt is paid in full. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask now that you might speak to us through your word, that you might open our eyes, that you might help us to see to believe and to embrace for our lives to be transformed and changed impacted by the reality of your resurrection we pray in your name and everybody said please be seated we're going to read God's word John chapter 20 I'm going to read just the first 18 verses and the last two verses of the chapter and we're going to watch a video and then we'll meditate upon this passage of scripture John chapter 20 <clears> that's <throat> the visit to the tomb and particularly the experience of Mary Magdalene early on the first day of the week While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as a cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand this from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I've seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things to her and then verse 30 Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name Amen. This is God's word, God's truth to us. Let's turn our eyes to the screen um, and we'll watch a video. A couple of kids. Hello, my,
1: my name is Eliana Anderson. My name is Alicia Anderson. Once upon a time, there was a bunny. <laughs> no. <clears throat> One day, Jesus went to Jerusalem on his donkey. They all gathered um, twigs and they waved them in the air. They threw their coats on on the ground. Hosanna, Hosanna, it's the Son of God. Then on the last night of with his friends, he had a meal with them. They ate the last supper. He said, that to remember him every time they had that supper. He went to the garden to pray. Yes, Emily. Yes, But the disciples fell asleep with the donkey. After Jesus prayed, mean girls took them away. So, dogs were all bad. Jesus said that he was God's son. They didn't like it at all. The people got so mad that they put Jesus on a cross. His mom and his friends were very sad because they loved him. He died because he wanted to forgive our sins. They brought him off the cross to a cave that had a stone so he couldn't get out. Saturday, they were all sad, and they were all scared. On a Sunday, they went to look, and they saw he was not in there anymore. The tomb was empty. An angel told them that Jesus has risen from the dead. The women came running to the disciples to tell them, but they would not believe them. Jesus came in the room. They were all surprised and they were all happy. Since they were so happy, they had a month together. After they had so much fun, Jesus went onto a top of a hill and he waved goodbye all to his friends. He said, I will come back someday. Why I'm gone. Tell everybody about me. And he went up to heaven. The disciples, they tell everybody that Jesus would always forgive them. Now I know that he loves me and my little sister Alicia, and my mom and my dad, and he loves everybody. That's why me and my sister love to dress up and go to church and be pretty as we celebrate Easter. By celebrating, we say to Jesus,
0: Thank you, and we love you. That'll do for a message, won't it? <laughs> I can't remember who sent me that video. It's one of the websites I subscribe to, and I might be getting this mixed up now, but it's if it's Natasha Crane, uh, whom I commend to you yet again, uh, she was motivated by the realization that we as parents often fail to teach our children what Easter is really about. We are so impacted by Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and egg hunts and Easter hat parades and nice clothes that we forget to enforce and to remind them that it's all that's fun and nice but it's not about that it's really about Jesus. It's about him dying on Friday on a cross, it's about him rising from the dead on Sunday. Mums and dads, make sure you kids get that. I asked Rhonda yesterday as we're driving down to do Shop, I said, what do you remember about Easter as a kid? Well we used to eat fish on Fridays, I never eat meat on Fridays, that was my mum. I could remember mum having a, an ash mark, a cross on her forehead, ash Wednesday I think. Um, I remember Easter eggs, uh, I remember school with the hat parades and all that stuff but I don't ever remember the realisation of what Easter is really about as a kid. But I come from a non-Christian home and so of course that wasn't emphasised for us. So I got, I met Jesus when I was 17 and he transformed my life. And then I started thinking I have two kids and three grandchildren. What did we teach them? when they were growing up. Because we certainly did the Easter eggs and the hat parades and all that stuff. Did we emphasise the truth of what it's about? <clears throat> I'll tell you this, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. My daughter, who is a new mum, who I think is convinced that her new baby is a toy that she's got, that she can play with. <laughs> if you see the photos and the video she's sending, it's pretty much what it is. Kate, my daughter, daughter of a Baptist pastor. For most of her life, I've been in the pulpit. She might have been uh, f- four, three, whatever, when I went to ministry. and uh, So I've been teaching her the Bible all her life. She was in high school, and I'm driving her home one day. We'd, she'd been dancing or something, and I'm driving, and we had a conversation. Easter must have been coming, and so we struck up a conversation. And my daughter, as a teenager, came to realize in the car going home that day that Easter was about the resurrection of Jesus, that his body, he rose physically. She always thought in my home, under my teaching, she thought Jesus rose spiritually. Well, he did rise spiritually, sweetheart, but he also rose physically. No, he rose physically. Kate. Was there a body in the tomb on Easter Sunday? And she went, oh. And she realised. For the first time, it sort of went click. Mums and dads, grandparents, keep telling your kids. Help them to come to understand. It's real. It's physical. He rose from the dead on this day. And that's why I wanted to show you that video because it's the kids retelling the story. Get your kids to do that with you. I'm certainly going to do that with my grandchildren when I visit them in the next week or so. I'm going to pray and then I want to read another passage of scripture. We're going to look at this lady and through her at the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you again for your word, for your spirit and for Jesus. For the power of his resurrection and the reality of it. Help everybody in this room come to an awareness, a real deep inner awareness that it's real that Lord Jesus you're alive and that you are present it's not a myth and it's not just a religious story but it's real life space-time history and may it transform all of our lives speak to us now through your word and through me your servant help our focus to be on Jesus we ask in his name amen In Luke chapter 8, which Gary will put up for us in a moment, after this, the passage says, after what? Well, in Luke chapter 7, there was a lady, a promiscuous lady, who came to the house of uh, Simon the Pharisee, where Jesus had gone for dinner, and as Jesus was reclining, this lady came in and uh, stood behind him, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She knelt down and, with her long hair, wiped his feet and poured perfume on it, and Simon the Pharisee was disgusted. If, Jesus, if you knew who that lady was and what she did and you wouldn't let her touch you and Jesus spoke about, you know, it's, she's demonstrating her love. Those who have been forgiven a lot also love a lot. And then Luke tells us after this, after that story, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The twelve were with him. And note, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases and Luke names them. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of, stewards of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Jesus travelled from town to town and to the village. He was doing a meet, greet and preach tour. He wanted everybody to hear in the urban centres, in the rural centres, in the villages, in the two donkey towns. He was going everywhere, spreading the light of the truth, the good news of the kingdom of God. What's the good news? Well, that forgiveness is available. That eternal life is able to be embraced. There is hope. You can reconnect with God. That's what Jesus was preaching. Repent and believe and accept the good news. The 12 with him. And it's interesting the way Luke writes it. You get the impression that the 12 were just normal, ordinary tradies or businessmen. They hadn't been dramatically cured or healed or anything like that happened in their life. They had just been met Jesus and had left their day jobs and they were now following him and being discipled and trained by him. But then Luke says, but note, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. The thing these women had in common is that they had been healed of something. They had been delivered of evil spirits, of the demonic a mixture of those sorts of things. And first, and she's always first. In every time there's a listing of the women, she is always first, except once. And that's in maybe I'll remember to say it later that's in John 1925, Mary, who is also called Magdalene. Is it a nickname? What does it mean? Is it the town she comes from? She was called Mary Magdalene. To distinguish her from all the other Marys. There are seven of them in the New Testament. And then there is Jo, the wife of Cusa, who's a steward in political contacts, Herod's household. And then there's Sue, Susanna and others, there are other women as well and what's interesting is these are women of means, these are women of wealth and they out of their Prosperity, out of their means, are supporting Jesus and the disciples. Why is Mary Magdalene named first? Well, it could be because she was, as I said, maybe she was the, the richest. Maybe it's because she was the most beautiful. Maybe she was the smartest. Maybe she was a dominant personality. Maybe she was the oldest. As one author says, She was well seasoned with a dash of pepper in her hair. If you stop and think about it, Jesus is how old? In his 30s. Probably mid-30s. Early to mid, somewhere around there. Luke tells us he was about 30. His mother, Mary, would have been mid-40s, 44, something like that. So it's quite possible Mary Magdalene was of that age and or maybe older. If you go through the New Testament, as I, through the Gospels particularly, the four Gospels, and just take note and write down things. I did this, list all of the women who were at the cross and at the tomb in the Gospels. That's a good exercise. Here is a quick list. There is Mary, the wife of Cleopas. There's Salome, who is the mother of, wife of Zebedee's, mother of James and John, sons of thunder, Salome. There's Mary Magdalene, there's Mary the mother of Jesus, there's Mary the mother of James, there's Mary the mother of Joseph, there's Mary of Bethany and Matthew is very helpful in Matthew 28 verse 1 and there is the other Mary <laughs> Mary 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 and Salome so Jesus called her Mary Magdalene to distinguish her from the other Marys We are not told her age, we're not told her body type, her hair colour, her features or her sandal size. Hasn't stopped authors making that stuff up. But those things don't define the person, do they? They're all outward. Her heart, her mission, her commitment to Jesus, her message, they're the things that are eternal. That's exactly what Peter says. There are a couple of books, Women of the Bible, all of the women of the Bible, written by Bible students and teachers and Authors, they say. Just as an aside, Mary Magdalene was around about thirty years of age. She was beautiful and gracious. All they got is a name. Or the other one, all of the women of the Bible says that she was young, she was pretty, and she was well favoured in face and form. Aren't we creative? And of course, there are many stories told about her, and you're probably thinking of some. Now, there's a movie out about Mary Magdalene. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm not going to see it. Christian movies usually drive me nuts. Why was she called Magdalene? Three possible reasons. She could have come from the town of Magdala, which is Aramaic. Just like Jesus was called Jesus the Nazarene, so she could have been called Mary Magdalene because she was from Magdala. Um, If so, then it's quite possible. There were nine towns, villages on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee, heading north from Nazareth all the way up to Damascus, and it was a prosperous town of about 15,000, so it's a reasonable centre, famous for fishing, famous for lots of things, famous for prostitution. Could have been, secondly, it could have been a nickname, because in Aramaic, Magdala means tall, like a tower, a fortress, could have been that she was tall or strong. In the Gospels, it does say that she bent down to look into the tomb. She might have been, if you've seen uh, Game of Thrones, she might be like that huge female warrior out of that. Don't know. Tall and strong. But it's possible that it's a nickname either way because that's typical of Luke's usage. And in Luke chapter uh, 22, he talks about Judas, who is called Iscariot. In Acts 13, Luke writes Simeon, who is called Niger. In, Acts, in Luke 8, it's Mary, the one who is called Magdalene. That expression, the one who is called, the one who is called, it's Iscariot, or it's Niger, or it's Magdalene. It's a, a nickname either that Jesus gave her, tall one, or it's a nickname Jesus called her by because of the town she came from. There is a third possibility. Those two are the most likely. The third possibility is that the word means plaited or plaited she was a hairdresser we know that was an acceptable occupation for Jewish women and it's very similar to a Greek word Magdalia which means to weave to twine to plate to dress hair it also comes from a word which means to wash the dirt off so she could have been a hairdresser Mary the one with a hairdo Magdalene that one the one with plaited hair And of course, in those days, it was often prostitutes who plaited their hair. Hence the origin, probably, it took centuries to emerge that she had a reputation for being a prostitute. She's not a prostitute, wasn't a prostitute. The Bible never says that. There is no evidence for it. It's a preacher, a pope in the 4th century who says it and links it together. He links it with Luke 7, the lady who came and washed Jesus' heat with a fair and then she's named immediately after that. Well, Well, that's very poor reading and very poor exegesis of the text. She's also been called a sorceress because of the demon. She's been called Jesus' mistress, Jesus' wife. She's the adulterous woman, unnamed woman of John chapter 8. He was without sin, cast the first stone, that one. It's all fabricated it's all made up what we do know about her is what we don't normally talk about she was had demons she had seven demons and she had a nickname and <coughs> Magdalene <coughs> excuse me just quickly on the demonization that's not our focus for today but there are two references to seven demons from Jesus <coughs> There is this one Mary had seven demons cast out of her and there's also in Luke's gospel chapter 11 Jesus is talking about evil spirits and he talks about how if an evil spirit is cast out of a person then it goes wandering through arid places looking for a place of rest and if it doesn't find anything it says I'll go back to the house that I used to occupy and if it finds that house clean and swept and put in order but empty then that spirit goes and gets seven other spirits worse than it more wicked than it and then they come and reside back in it in the person maybe that's what happened to Mary Magdalene maybe that's why the Bible says that she had seven spirits well, I don't want to focus on that this morning except Jesus with one word I wonder what that word was leave and they left not told any other details But Jesus had delivered her she once was owned by Satan now she is devoted to and following the Lord Jesus committed totally to him well this lady was she single was she widowed was she divorced don't know but she was certainly rescued from spiritual bondage and now her life is controlled by her devotion to the Lord Jesus and she follows him caring for his needs Mark tells us in chapter 15 she never let Jesus out of her sight and then we jump to the end that's all we have about her we jump to the end of the story and she appears a lot around the cross and the tomb and she is present through the whole ordeal absolutely devastated gutted she never left let Jesus out of her sight she was watching the Bible says from a distance which is appropriate, it's dangerous. Particularly if you're a relative or if they knew that she was a disciple, a supporter of Jesus, the Romans could have easily grabbed her and tortured her. That was not uncommon. She would have heard the cries of the Lord Jesus from the cross. She would have seen him breathe his last. She never moved. She stayed, watching. She was there when Joseph and Nicodemus returned to take down the body. She followed them to the tomb and she saw where they laid him she watched she watched them roll the stone across and she waited she waited until the Sabbath descending made her leave and go home Luke tells us that she wasn't alone the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and they saw the tomb and how the body was laid in it and then when they did go home they went home and prepared spices and perfumes I could imagine a very sleepless Friday night for Mary and for the others. A terrible, sad day, distraught Sabbath. But interestingly, I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not, but in Mark chapter 16, verse 1, on Saturday night the sun has set, the markets are open, and she has gone shopping. She and other ladies went to buy spices and perfumes and oils I assume because they intended to return the very next morning to complete the burial process because they watched and they saw two blokes do something that women are much better at doing they didn't finish the job so she comes very early on the Sunday morning the sun wasn't up but the sun was just coming up by the time she got there carrying the spices. When she gets there, the stone which was in front of it and she saw them roll it there was removed from the tomb. The soldiers have probably gone at this point. She looks inside, nobody. She leaves the spices, I imagine, with the other ladies and she runs immediately back into Jerusalem, into the city, looking for John and Peter. The other women stay. The angel who rolled the stone away, I assume, then appears and he sits on the stone that he had rolled away and he talks to the ladies. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember? He told you. Go see the place where he lay. So then they go inside. Mark tells us when they went inside, they saw an angel, a young man on the right Luke tells us that there were two angels who appeared to them in the tomb, but they were standing. But the message is the same. Why are you looking for the dead among the living? He is not here, he is risen. As he told you, they say. Then the women leave the tomb and they run. Mark tells us they left the tomb and for fear and filled with joy, they didn't tell anyone. Full stop. Not the end of the story, but that's where Mark finishes the gospel. And then, for the next couple of decades, the Christian church is telling these stories and filling it in. And then, Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John write their Gospels, and you'll see how they address some of the misunderstandings. Um, Mary Magdalene, the women have left. Mary Magdalene has been to the tomb, been to see Peter and John, and uh, she says, Somebody has taken the Lord, she assumes, by human hand. She does not assume resurrection. She has not seen an angel and she has not yet heard the testimony that he is alive. That's where she's up to. It's certainly correct to say that she is the first to see Jesus risen from the dead. That's true. She's not the first to hear it. The women were. The angels told the women. And Mary wasn't there. She was... Seeing Peter and John, so the other women heard the angel say at first, "Jesus is there at the tomb," but he doesn't appear. The angel appears. It's interesting, isn't it? And then James, uh, John, and Simon Peter run off to the tomb, and you read the account, and you know they look, they see that the Remarkable thing is the thing that was around Jesus' head and around his skull probably had just collapsed. It was still folded and tied up and it just collapsed. It clearly indicates this is not the work of grave robbers. They don't unwrap bodies. They just pick them up and steal them and take them away. But here was these garments, these linen strips, still wrapped up, still with a headband, folded, still tied together, still fragrant still stained with the blood probably and then John enters and verse 8 says to us rather ambiguously he sees and he believes he sees what sees the linen garments believes what well the body's gone the tomb's empty because the next verse indicates they still did not understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead so just as Mary had told them they ran to the tomb and they leave the tomb That's weird. That's puzzling. But exactly what Mary had said is what they encountered. And later on, the women will tell them, an angel has told us he is alive. We have seen him. He is alive. And they don't believe them. They think they're women, like on the show, you know? As an aside, the blokes didn't believe the women. And their testimony and it's Jesus has orchestrated this Jesus has deliberately put this together in a way he appears to Mary first and then he appears to the women and he commissions both of them go tell the disciples that I am alive and they will meet them here and the blokes don't believe the women and Jesus if you read it carefully he gets a little bit miffed he's a little bit frustrated because that afternoon he sees two walking along the road and he's walking with them and he says to them Luke 24 verse 25 you blokes are slow in our vernacular you're dull you're thick and you're clueless you're slow of heart to believe I said it in the scriptures I told you personally and now I've sent women to tell you and you still don't get it and so Jesus is a little bit frustrated annoyed by it and that night when he appears in the upper room to the tent he rebukes them for their slowness to come to the point of belief. Anyway Mary Magdalene is back at the tomb she's outside the tomb Peter and John have left the women are running not sure where they're going but it takes them a while to get there all this sort of happens and then something will happen for them if I've got the order right. Mary Magdalene is back at the tomb crying heartbroken distraught she bends over and looks inside we've all done that You ever lost anything and you go and you open the drawers and they're not there and you come back and then you go look in the drawers again because you think suddenly it's going to just suddenly appear. You didn't see it. We've all done that. Well, I can imagine Mary doing, I'll just check again. Yep. But this time when she checks, she sees two angels inside. And they're actually sitting, sitting on the ledge where the body of Jesus lay. One at the head, one at the foot. They speak to her. They ask her a question. It's a very compassionate question but it's interesting they give no word of encouragement to her there's no don't fear none of that that they say to everybody else they simply ask her a question why are you crying why are you crying must have been male angels they didn't understand women or did the angels think this is worth pondering Jesus said that he would rise on the third day it's the third day He always does what he says. Why are you weeping? Don't you believe that he keeps his word? I wonder if they thought that. Well, we're not told. We're just told the question. And listen to the agony of her heart response. They've taken my Lord away. My Lord. It's personal. They've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they've put him. It's exactly what she said to Peter and John. It's what you'll say in a minute to the gardener. She is searching, she is seeking. And it's interesting, she doesn't find him, he finds her. That's our experience as well. God says, if you'll find me, if you search for me with your heart, you'll always find him coming towards you. He finds us. Then without warning, Mary at the tomb, suddenly or someone gets her attention. And verse 14 says... And she turned. Did she hear something? Did she see the angels whom she's looking at look beyond her? Or I could imagine the angels who were sitting when Jesus was there, they stood and bowed. He's the king. Was it something she saw them do? Whatever it was she turned. Did she turn her whole body or turn her head? Well she at least turned her head. And she sees Jesus standing there. But note, she doesn't recognise him. Jesus didn't appear to Peter and John who were at that tomb. Didn't appear to them. He will later. Jesus is honouring Mary and the women in a minute for their silent faithfulness over the years, over the time. I think Jesus is showing and teaching us something. I think he's teaching us Fellas, women count. Women are equal. Women are made in God's image, and women serve Jesus just as well and sometimes better than we do. It's interesting. Jesus has got a personal appointment with Peter, but he doesn't appear to him then. He in fact sends the women. Go and tell Peter. But she didn't realise, Mary didn't realise it was Jesus. Too many tears too much light from the angels you know seeing spots it was dark in the shadows he was dressed whatever it was I think this I think Mary uh, Jesus kept Mary from understanding it was him just like in Luke 24 it says that as he walked with the two along the road they were prevented from recognizing him and then later on in the passage it says and their minds were eyes eyes and their minds were open and they recognized him it's something like that Jesus's doing the Jedi trick or something so that they can't recognise him. So out of that, if that's true, then I learn this, that Jesus kept Mary in the dark until he spoke. Listen. You now recognise him by his voice, not by his appearance. Things have changed the first word that Jesus spoke after the resurrection woman why are you weeping who are you looking for Jesus is being very tender and very gentle with the Lord Jesus and she and I'm not being derogatory but this is typical of my wife she's asked a question of why and who and she doesn't answer the question she answers another question not the one that she's asking leads to lots of very interesting conversations in our household but it seems to be biblical that women don't answer questions properly. If she had have answered the question, who are you looking for? I mean this is Jesus standing there in front of her, who are you looking for? Is he having fun or what? Who are you looking for? Uh, If she answered the question, I'm looking for Jesus, what would he have done? Said, da But she doesn't answer the question. Who are you looking for? And she assumes, he's the gardener. He knows what goes on around here. He works around here in this garden. Maybe he did it. And so she asks him, if you moved him, can you please tell me where he is and I'll go and get him. What's she going to do then? She's by herself but she's so distraught, so passionate about doing the right thing for the one that she loves so deeply. By this point, she's not looking at him, whether her face is down or she's turned away again or whatever, because verse 16, you get this wonderful thing. Jesus says just one word, it's her name, Mary. Well, the Greek text says Miriam. Uses both interchangeably. Mary. When our loved ones use our name, we know what it's like. There's a special tone, there's a special warmth, there's a special cadence as the way they say it. My wife says my name in a very special way. Starts with a very low guttural sound, ends with an up and reflection. Daryl. She knew instantly who it was. You do that with your loved ones. My kids ring me, I ring my kids, we ring each other. I never say to them, Hi, this is Dad, or hi, this is me. You know, it's I just say, G'day. And they go, Ah, oh, to you. <laughs> Isaiah 43, verse 1 says, The prophet, fear, the Lord speaking, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That reminds me of this passage. Very common name, Mary. But Jesus used to say that name in a very special way for her. She knew it was him. She turns towards him, verse 16. So again, she turns. This time lifts her head, sees him, must move towards him. She embraces him. Whether it's like the women that I'll come to in a second, uh, whether they just she prostrates herself before him and wraps her arms around his feet and will not let go. And then that issues forth a correction from him. Stop holding on to me. Don't hold so tight. I've not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers. It's interesting. Go to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father we now have a new relationship with God because of the death and resurrection of Jesus to my God and to your God verse 18 tells us that Mary Magdalene went with the news to the to the disciples with the news and she says i have seen the lord she told them what he said to her great model for us tell other believers what jesus says to you the women <clears throat> I assume the women got back before Mary did. After Jesus had seen Mary and then she goes running to the disciples, Jesus then appears to the women who were still on their way to the disciples. This is Matthew 28. And when they're on their way to the disciples, I've said this, shared this with you over the years, and so for many of you it's very familiar. They, um, Jesus just simply says to them, morning the risen son of God Easter Sunday morning women being to the tomb had seen angels had heard that he was alive was on their way with a message and Jesus appears to them and Jesus says hi a normal ordinary greeting and then they did what Mary did they come to him they prostrate themselves before him and they hang on to him they hug him they clasp him probably with a sense of worship I want you to note this about the women. The Lord Jesus met them when they're on the path of obedience. So too for us, we will experience his nearness and his presence when we obey his instructions. Don't miss that. And then John tells us, verse 30, that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples post-resurrection. He did many other signs, and they're not recorded for us. Because as you study the resurrection narrative, then you'll see that there are various different revelations that God gives to different people. He doesn't give the same to all. He treats us as individuals. But these are recorded, John says, verse 31, so these are written so that you you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the promised one, that he is God the Son coming to our world and that by believing in him, you can have life in his name. I need to finish. Mary. Delivered from Satan, devoted all her life, all the way at the cross, determined to find him, and then discovers that he is alive. It's quite interesting to consider. Who else did Jesus appear to one-on-one? He appears to Mary, one-on-one. He appears to Peter, one-on-one. He appears to James, his brother, it would appear, one-on-one. Certainly the Apostle Paul, but also to Thomas. Though Thomas was in a group, it was very specific one-on-one attention. And I just want to finish with this. Jesus appeared to any and all types of people. No one was excluded. Mary was one who was devoted. Peter was one who denied him. James was one who didn't follow him. Paul was one who defied him. Thomas was one who doubted him. But Jesus will appear and reveal himself to anybody with a heart that is responsive. And that's how Matthew ends and that's how I'll end too. It's interesting in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew puts these two stories, the story of the women and the story of the guards, side by side. The women who saw and heard the angel and met the Lord Jesus and the guards, who saw the power of God, experienced the earthquake and the stone being rolled away, and saw the angel and they collapsed. They experienced the power and the presence of God and did not believe. Matthew puts the stories side by side. It's like he's saying, Which one are you in? you choose you have a choice and that's certainly what the story of Mary Magdalene does for us as well that just like she chose to follow and experienced him we can do the same or we can be like the guards and the Jewish leaders and the others and say no it's an April Fool's joke it's not real some people are there we're going to pray, let's pray thank you father for the story of this lady Mary Magdalene thank you for her experience of how through her sheer determination and devotion she experiences the reality of the risen Christ Lord may what happened to her happen to us may we too come into the experience of the reality of the risen Lord may he captivate our hearts and may we like her and like the other women be obedient to tell others that he is risen and that he is Lord and he's coming again grant this Lord Jesus for your sake amen